A beautiful mind, a roller coaster ride where you ascend to the top of the peak slowly, and then the track disappears, and you are in a free fall of invisible track moving sporadically throughout a hellish abyss, only to emerge on the other side, safe and sound in a beautiful utopia. Uh, a Beautiful Mind. It is a drama, biopic, um, I'm going to call it a psychological drama, but we'll get there, uh, directed by Ron Howard, starring Russell Crowe, Jennifer Connelly, uh, and a whole cast of amazing character actors, and uh, there's, they're, they're beautiful and amazing and, and, and do incredibly well, but I'm not going to bring up every one of them. Uh, it was released in 2001. I will say... I am giving you a review of this film, not the true life story of John Nash. I will get into some of that a bit because I think it's interesting, um, but we're going to talk about the film first and then go into the reality of John Nash's life a little bit. It is a biopic. It is inspired by um, his life and true events, but there are some um, creative license that is taken by director Ron Howard and, and writers um, but I, I believe that the spirit of it is true to his, his life and, and character, for the most part. But there's been some criticism there, too. Spoilers will come, but not right now. I will let you know before I get into them. It is a slow burn. It is dramatic, lovely, smart, fun, academic, exciting, existential, and inspiring. As well as serious. So, what can I tell you before getting into spoilers? Um, I mentioned that it is a psychological drama. So I will say, we're, we're following um, the real life of, well, again, <laughs> the real life of John Nash. John Nash was um, a real person, and uh, he was a mathematician. So we are, I think, going through a period of his life, the, a, a big period of his life, um, that concerns legacy and love. That's what I would say. That those themes abound in this film. He learns a lot about relationships of self, relationship to his mind, uh, relationship to others. Him being a person who may have difficulty socializing with other people or having interest in certain things that other people, most people would have interest in. Again, he's a mathematician, so you can make the link there that, that he's stereotypical in, in some of the ways we paint nerdy, like super high-level academic intellectuals and that they might not have the strongest social skills, but there's a lot of things that, that he learns. It is a journey, if you want to call it that, of self-discovery, but it is so much more than that. Um, we start out where he is already um, university age. He goes to Princeton, and uh, he he's really on a, a search for an original idea that will cement his legacy and give him some importance and some significance uh, to prove to himself and the world that he belongs here. And I think a lot of that may have to do with his, his, his youth and upbringing and whatever else that he feels he needs to really prove his worth. Uh, we don't get into his, his background that much at all. It mostly just starts where he is, you know, probably early 20s. 
um, at Princeton and um, a grad student. So I guess maybe uh, early to maybe mid twenties. He's a grad student, and uh, we we see his his. What do we see? <laughs> we we see him develop um, a lot of issues and has conflicts, and he has to resolve those. Obviously, um, I mentioned in the intro before the intro to borrow a Jamie Josta reference. Uh, I mentioned that it's it's kind of a roller coaster, and and <laughs> um, we end up in a beautiful place. We really do. And so, spoiler there, I guess that. That I'm going to tell you that there is there is a, a wonderful ending and it's lovely and amazing and beautiful, uh, but I'm not going to tell you what that is whatsoever. This thing is a roller coaster that really catches you by surprise, um, depending on who you are. But I think for most people, that these twists um, will be a shock and be like, "Whoa! I didn't see that coming. Where did that come from? What just happened?" And um, there is a thrilling aspect to some of this stuff. It is, I would say the movie is not a psychological thriller at all, but it has psychological elements 100% sure. Um, we definitely discuss mental health issues. Um, I mean, we're talking about, this thing starts in like the, the late 40s is our, is our time here um, that, that it's set in. And it ends in the mid-90s. So we follow his life for quite a bit of time and a lot of these struggles. And again, a lot of them have to do with interpersonal relationships, but also a battle of, his, of, his, of him. And his and himself, um, with with his own ambitions and what he thinks and believes, and also how he cannot trust his himself and his own mind, and how scary that is. I'm not going to get into details about that now as to why he can't trust himself. But um, again, I, to me, I, I think this is a beautiful marriage of legacy and love, and 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 how those things play into a, a beautiful life, a wonderful life where um, he is really on a journey to, to find his place in the world and he ends up finding his, his place within himself and with a counterpart. And, um, yeah, it's about that. That's really, that's really what it's about. Um, so, I'm trying to think of what else I can tell you that gives you a little more specificity but, I mean, it is, it's not a period piece by any means, but again, we, we started in that time. I think it's really well represented. I think this movie's incredibly well done. Um, I, I think just the character development that we see here is beautiful. I think there are so many little, um, and we're going to talk about this when we get into the spoiler section, but, but there are so many little hints along the way that upon a second watching, or, e or even before you watch it a second time, which I'm sure if you see this movie, uh, you will want to, at some point, because you want to show someone else, or it's just, it's just really cool to watch again. But even at the end of the movie, you, you might sort of think back, like, oh, wait a second, yeah, this thing, this thing, this thing, I get it now, all these things were happening, but they were so subtle that that you might not be suspicious of like, oh, there's this thing that's gonna happen until after it's happened and it's been revealed. Um, it is a bit of a slow burn at first. It didn't, that didn't bother me. Uh, again, it's partially because it's a movie, not a book, and I can handle that. I, I know my time frame to get from beginning to end is so much, the investment of time um, is so much different than, than trying to read a book that that slow burn doesn't bother me. It, 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 it was done purposefully and done well. Um, I mentioned that it is uh, very inspiring. I mean, it's existential. We talked about kind of the legacy aspect, but I, I think it's very inspiring. There's a lot of great quotes I'm going to share in the spoiler section here that I really enjoy. Um, and it is exciting. There is that thriller aspect to it as well, in parts. 
Um, but it definitely has these these dramatic elements and not like a I don't not like a slow like Jane Austen like dry drama. Um, it, it, it it's not crazy fast paced either. It's 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 got its moments of of both ends of those spectrum, but it doesn't get it. I don't feel like it's dry. I don't feel like it's too slow. I feel like it moves along and it's paced very well. I mentioned it being very smart and fun, and there's humor injected here at perfect moments, and there's enough going on here to just keep you guessing, and it's and it's really great. Um, again, this is a biopic of a, of a real man um, that did exist, and, and the people in his life that existed alongside him. It's a drama. We've got psychological elements. We discuss legacy and love, and there's just a ton of, of great little tidbits along the way, little Easter eggs, if you will, that, that hint at this big twist and this turn that you will uh, be exposed to, and you can go back and, and see all these elements there. Uh, it, it's cool just to discuss with someone, um, for sure. I don't think that it is going to get like crazy into the most intellectually deep conversations ever, but it is really inspiring, and it's just like really nice to discuss. Um, just, just even like discussing like, oh, when this thing happened, that must have been this or this or this, and th that's always fun. I really like discussing those things. Um, one thing that I've neglected in so many other reviews are my feelings about it. It makes me very happy, sad. Um, it, it hits you right in the feels for sure. It is like having a little bit of a romantic story without this at all being a romance film. It is not in that genre at all. But there's just beautiful friendships, partnerships, um, just human relationships that that exist here. And oh, in the, again, in the spoilers, like I just oh, it it. I don't cry in movies, but I, I get close, and this is one of the ones that I get close in at, at two points that are just so close to one another that, oh, I know, I'll share that in the spoilers, but yeah, um, you, you, you won't be walking out depressed. It's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful and beautiful film. Again, there's some discrepancies between the reality and then this dramatized version of the real events, but the spirit, I believe, is there, and it's good, and it doesn't do harm, I don't believe, at all. Um, target audience. I think if you're into biopics at all, you like reading biographies and that type of thing, and want just to know about someone's life, that's really interesting. I would say this is for you. Um, these mental health discussions are there. There's some psychological components as well, and it is a drama, but again, it's not dry by any means, and it's not like crazy fast action stuff either. Um, if you want to feel inspired, if you want to have a movie really kind of surprise you, but without it being like jump scares and horror and that type of suspense and, and high action, it's not like that, but it definitely has some twists and turns in there that'll keep you guessing and keep you on your toes. I would say then this is for you. Um, importance and function. I think that it definitely goes beyond entertainment. I think that there are some really important things in here that, again, I can't discuss until we get to spoilers. Uh, in, in talking and having a discussion about mental health, I think that um, this opens that up and, and how to care for yourself and care for um, another and how to navigate that world and, and the combination of things that you might want to do. So I think it's a great movie for mental health advocacy. Um, and, and yeah, I would say that that kind of, for me, is like 
its importance and function, and also just balance. It's a great movie about balance, balancing relationships and work, uh, balancing just within yourself. And, 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 and if you want to really go there, finding the meaning of life, like that's, that's what it is. Um, John Nash was a Nobel Prize winner. That is not, um, not a surprise. Not that's. I mean, that's. If you look up John Nash, you will find that. So he he did win a Nobel Prize in his career. He was very um, decorated as a mathematician. Uh, some of those those recognitions didn't happen until later in his life. But um, top shelf, top shelf movie. Uh, it's incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into more as to why in the spoilers here. But again, all those elements there, and it, and it does incredibly well. There was it was nominated for so many awards, and so many people in there were nominated, and there, it won a lot of things as well. Um, again, came out in two thousand one, so we're almost twenty years old here, and it still holds up. Uh, again, just a great, inspiring piece. If you never heard of John Nash, like I never heard of him, it wasn't like. I really want to watch this because this is my favorite. This is my dude, and like it's not like that. You don't have to know him or even like math because I can't do the maths. Um, it is an academic piece where there's things that they do talk about, but again, they break it down in a way that's that's very easy to understand for the the, the layman like myself in that world. Um, and there's some things that if you know more high level math, I'm sure you could appreciate it on a different level. But it's not about math. It just happens to be about a mathematician and his. Um, the way that he reasons through emotions and logic and feelings and, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting and it's really great. And I think that, um, I think that any human can appreciate it because again, those are things that we wrestle with all the time is, um, exploring and figuring out and measuring when do I use my brain? When do I use my heart? Um, I will leave you with one quote before I get into the spoilers and it is John Nash talking about, how in grade one, he had a teacher that said to him that he had two helpings of brain and only half a helping of heart. And there we go. I'm going to leave it there. Watch this thing. It's, it's really beautiful. It just, it, it hits, it, oh, oh, it, it hits you in the feels. It, I mean, it hits me in the feels and, and I'm, I've got a heart of stone. So, uh, <laughs> when it comes to some things anyway, but it, it gets me in the feels and, and, and it, uh, this is why it's top shelf for me. I, I think I just realized, what do I need for it to be top shelf? It really needs to stimulate my mind, but it also needs to engage my heart, I think, for most things that are top shelf. And this does both. It goes beyond entertainment. It has depth without being artsy or like too heady. Um, it just mixes those things wonderfully and presents it to you on a plate that is so easy to digest. Spoilers, right now, getting into spoilers. Okay, so, um, we got John Nash, you know, he, uh, goes to Princeton trying to find an original idea, people are making fun of him, um, and, and he, he comes upon his, I'm just doing like a, a summary first, he, he, he stumbles upon his original idea after almost getting kicked out of the program, basically, um, can't find a placement for him, whatever, and, uh, he, he figures it out in this kind of unique, fun way at, at the bar with his with his buds there. And that that's just like a fun way to interject that. I mentioned this movie being fun, and it has a great sense of humor, too. And he is shown with a great sense of humor, despite all these other things that are happening and, and his the wrestling he has to do with himself and stuff. But um, 
It could be really, really dark, but but I like the way that they present him with having a sense of humor about things. Anyway, he goes into his professional life and he starts to deteriorate. Uh, his, his personal life is also his personal life and professional life should be peaking, and they're not. And um, we we find out that he is schizophrenic, and that there are people in his life that he has been seeing for years that don't exist. He has relationships with people that aren't there, and. It's really cool and really interesting to like go back and be like, wait, when did that person show up in his life and why did they show up at that time? And um, I think we'll get into some of that stuff for sure here. But yeah, so John Nash being diagnosed with schizophrenia and this is like back in the day and they're doing like electroshock therapy and insulin, whatever. I don't even know what they're doing to this guy at this uh, mental health facility and uh, it's just not good and then uh, he's taking medication for it, and then he stops taking medication for it because he can't focus on doing any work. He can't, as he puts it very um, gently, he can't respond to his wife uh, sexually. He doesn't say that word, but he he can't, um, yeah, he, he doesn't have a libido. He doesn't have, that. things are not happening there for him, and that's a, putting a strain on their relationship, you know? He, he just can't do a lot of things. He said he can't help with the baby, because uh, he has a child, uh, and uh, so he stops taking his medication, and of course that's not what you want to do, right? But he's like, what's worse, you know, not being able to do these things or being crazy? And um, so that question kind of gets interjected there too, like what kind of life is this on, on this type of medication that dulls my life so much? Um, basically, I don't know, that schizophrenic thing is really the big reveal, right? So that's the spoiler here, is that he is schizophrenic, he is delusional, he has relationships with people that don't exist. And it's amazing how I think this movie just puts a lot of things in there. Sometimes they're kind of vague, right? But it puts a lot of these things in there that, that are just great to, not just discuss with other people, but for you to evaluate for yourself. And like how things like mental health are um, handled. And how one's self, like if your mind is the problem, then how can you think rationally about how to overcome that that sickness, right? How do you how do you get a say in how to overcome your own mental illness if your mind is what is being affected and you maybe aren't in a place to make rational, logical decisions? How can you trust yourself? How can other people trust you to make those decisions to know what's best for you? And that's just a really interesting thing that gets opened up here. Um, so, going back to just, like, these people. So, we have three people that he sees. Um, one is a roommate that doesn't exist, and at another point, a, his roommate's niece, and then um, this this man called John... Or not John. Uh, Parcher is his last name. I forget his first name. Played by Ed Harris. But he... Uh, he's, like, a, like a CIA secret top agent guy who gets John to do these tasks uh that, that that are all top secret tasks and he does not exist either so these people enter his life at very key moments and that's one of those things that like oh if you look back it's like okay like he arrives at princeton he doesn't have friends he doesn't make friends well he's not sociable he's not personable and we see that he's got a roommate and when charles his roommate shows up he's like roommate like he's he's weird about it he's like what roommate like I didn't think I had a roommate and um they end up being friends and it's the first friend that that John makes maybe ever I don't know but uh he wasn't he didn't have friends at Princeton when he got there and 
Um, he had a reputation, not necessarily a great one. Um, and then he has a discussion with Charles on the Roof where he talks about like how his first grade teacher said he had two helpings of brain and only half a helping of heart. And that's something that he understands about himself, right? He understands it, but he doesn't necessarily do anything about it because he's just like, it's just not important. And there's like this question of chicken and the egg too, of like, does he not... Does he not have these skills because he's never cared to have these skills? Or does he not care about having these skills because he's born with a deficiency and it would be so much harder for him to acquire these skills, right? Uh, and it's a mix of both, but we don't know like kind of what happened first in, in a lot of his circumstances in his youth um, and upbringing. So that's an interesting question that gets brought up, I think, as well. Um, when Marcy, Charles, his roommate's niece, shows up, he... He talks about having a good career, having a good job, um, and how he's, he wants to get married, and he doesn't know if he should do it or not. And it's like the next logical step would be to have kids, especially for the time, right? You, gotta, you, you, go to, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. Build a family. And that's when she shows up, is then, right? Like, Charles shows up when he, he's, he doesn't have friends, and he, he's in this new place, and he's a stranger, and he's not liked, and then he has this friend... And then Marcy shows up when he's thinking about kids, possibly. Um, but also, Parcher shows up when he's dissatisfied with his job. He talks about not wanting to do these these menial tasks for the... He's, like, working for like the Department of Defense, and he's just like, man, like, I want to do this exciting, code-breaking stuff at the Pentagon that we only got to do that twice ever in four years. And he's... he's yeah, he's dissatisfied. And then he gets these crazy special assignments and he's made to be, to feel very special and unique and awesome and important. And, and he is those things, but other people can't see that. Um, and so they, they put him to use. And so it's interesting to see when those people come up. One of the cool things too is that Marcy, she's running through the park at one point, or the grounds at Princeton, I, I believe they're at. And there's all these pigeons around and they don't fly away. She like runs through them. And she, they don't fly away, which would, like, never happen. And that's interesting just because she's not there. She doesn't exist, right? So he's having all these crazy delusions. And then you have to reflect on, like, is he just sitting on a park bench by himself imagining all this? Or, like, there's, like, a car chase scene? Or, like, is he driving the car, like, erratically through, like, re like is this stuff really happening? Or is he just sitting in a parking lot imagining everything? Or is he imagining it while he's driving? Like, who knows? Um, and those things don't get cleared up, which is fine. But, um... Yeah, we go through this journey where he's kind of arrogant, not liked, he's got friendships, he he comes upon his original idea, which is fantastic, um, and a fun way to do that, and, you know, him coming to terms with, with his own schizophrenia, but in the midst of that, we have the most important relationship, I think, um, even more than his relationship with himself, I think, is his relationship with Alicia, uh, who he dates, and then they get married, and... Um, they have a, a son together, and that relationship is so important. Like, from the get-go, like, the first three scenes of them together are so important. And we talk about balance and relationships and trying to find a partnership that you, that you and your, your counterpart um, work well together. You're not carbon copies of each other. You're not way too different that it doesn't work but that someone's strengths and weaknesses, they, that you can help each other out. And that's this, this wonderful thing that Alicia 
is able to teach John things, and he is not put off by that, um, that she's able to reach him, and, and he's able to learn from her, and I think that might be one of the first times, like, especially in the, in the thing, like, he, he doesn't take criticism well, we've seen evidence of that, um, and, and she's able to just, like, part of it, she's just able to love him for him, and the way that he speaks in his mind and, and his heart, and also teach him things that he's lacking in the social department, and he, he's grateful of those things. Um, this isn't super cohesive, and, and I'm just kind of like weaving around different areas here, but uh, yeah, th that relationship was just so wonderful and lovely, and throughout the decades that it spans, it is, it, it is just, it's wonderful. Um, there's two moments here that, that I'm going to tell you about feelings right now. <laughs> so there, there's two moments here where I just get all the feels ever. And they both are kind of like in references to things that happened decades earlier. One is when he is, he, he's witnessing this pen ceremony where people just like are dropping their like Princeton pens on the table, um, and he's getting recognized for just like a lifetime achievement of being awesome, basically. He witnesses that happening to another professor when he's very young and he's very, he's struggling to find his idea. And his professor at that moment is like saying like, hey man, like this, this could be you one day, but you're not focusing and you're like not coming up with an idea and like, sorry, but you can't get a placement at these places. Um, and then later on, he's being considered for the Nobel Prize and he's sitting down having tea in that room and then the pens and people start just like, shaking his hand or whatever and it's just like oh my goodness um but then there's also that alicia on their first date gives him a handkerchief puts it in like a pocket square for this photo that he's going to have with the governor and he holds on to that handkerchief for decades you see it at one point uh in the middle of kind of like the the timeline here but then at the very end he's accepting the speech or like his acceptance speech for the nobel prize he like it's really mostly about his relationship with alicia and he, like, takes it out, he, like, kisses the handkerchief, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, I just couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't get past that. It's, it almost, it almost did the cry for me. Um, I wanted to share a couple other quotes here that I really love, and one of them was, because uh, I feel this movie is very inspirational, and it's, and it's beautiful, and has a lot of great diction and language, and it's very quotable. But one of the things that he says is that our dreams and nightmares, um, about our dreams and nightmares that you have to keep feeding them to stay alive because he's talking about how he basically logicked himself out of schizophrenia he uses medication as well and that's one of those other themes in here is like how do you cope with a mental illness like that can you logic yourself out of it no the problem is here it's affecting your logic but he he used a combination of both and he still ended up having these these hallucinations or delusions or whatever and he's able to just ignore them for so long and use his mind to do that. And he just had certain things where he's like, oh, she never gets older, so she's not real. Um, and he talks about not indulging in certain appetites and having a diet of the mind. And I think that's obviously you can apply that to, to so many different things um, of just being disciplined, right? And, and, and not indulging in certain things. So I, I thought that was just a nice reference as well. And there's this one, Dr. Rosen, the one who, who basically commits him to this psychological hospital, um, he, he has this, this one just little passage in there that's just, ugh, it, it, it hits really hard. And he says, like, imagine if you suddenly 
learned, the people, the places, the things most important to you um, were not just dead or gone, but they never were. They have never been real. Like, how messed up is that? Like, what kind of place would that put you in? Right? Like, like that they, these things never existed. Like, how do you come back from that? Like, that's so horrifying. And he talks about it being like, that. that's hell. He's like, that's hell. Now, we're going to help him try to see the difference between reality and, and not reality. <laughs> but, like, it's, yeah. That, that just, the way that they phrase that alone, just pausing and sitting with that and thinking about people who, I mean, you can go off the deep end and get really paranoid and be like, is that me? Is that my reality? Am I living in a simulation? Like, am I just, like, in a coma right now? Or, like, what's happening to my, like, you know what I mean? You can really go down the rabbit hole with that and there's all these other things that get brought up. But, I mean, just with people that really live with some of these mental illnesses that affect their minds like this, it is, um, I don't even know what word to use. It's just, it, it's, it's horrifying. It, I can't imagine, right? And then, and then how do you trust that that person's telling you the right? You can't trust anything. You can't trust yourself. If you can't trust your own mind, how do you function in the world? How do you progress? How do you do anything? Like, it's so difficult to, like, yeah, I don't, it's, 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 a, it's a very complex thing, and I like how it approaches that here. So, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, I love this movie. It brings up a lot of questions. It's, it's very graceful. Oh, to use one of the words that John Nash uses, it's very elegant. Um, even the way that, that they approach the subject of faith um, and how Alicia gets him to understand love because he is talking about um, he's discussing logic and reasoning and how do you know things because he can't when it comes to those type of things emotional things he's just like how do you know he's so used to formulaic process and she, she gets him to understand that um, there, there's just so much packed into this that but it's done in such a subtle way that, it, it's again, it's not heavy-handed. Um, it just feels really good. And it's exciting and fun, but not too much fun. And it is serious and academic and intellectual. It has depth, but it also has a lightness to it that, that again, it, it's very palatable. It's easy to digest. Um, what a great film. A Beautiful Mind.